Welcome to the show. I'm Greg McEwen, and I'm your host for the What's Essential podcast. There are lots of shows on how to improve, on how to become successful, but there is only one on what to do once you are. This is essential because success can be a catalyst for failure, especially if it leads to the undisciplined pursuit of more. This show is about how to become successful at success. It's for high performers who are on the edge of exhaustion, solving problems completely before they even arise. It's about turning tedious tasks into joyful rituals. It's about simplifying your processes and making your most essential activities the easiest ones. So if you're a driven, hardworking, productive person who is running out of space but still wants to make a higher contribution effortlessly, the What's Essential podcast is designed especially for you. So let's begin. My guest today is Shannon Doherty. She's the founder of At Home with Shannon. She's the mother of four, uh, so this is the real deal. She has an audience of over a million people who, which is best known now for her social media, mom hacks, recipes, crafts, DIY fun, the queen of mom hacks. She's responsible for a series of viral videos that entertain and educate and also surprise her own children, but it's fun for her as well. She's also the owner of Coco and Lala. It's a lifestyle brand with a whole series of boutiques uh, in Darien, Connecticut. Prior to that, she was the director of HR and real estate acquisitions at Talpian Fund Management in New York. She earned her BS in finance and marketing from Boston College, Juris Doctorate from New York Law School. You can find Shannon on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, and Amazon Live at At Home with Shannon. On LinkedIn at Shannon Doherty. By email at home with Shannon at additivecreative.com. Shannon, welcome to the What's Essential podcast. Greg, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. I am a huge fan of what you've written and about the whole concept and idea behind essentialism. And it's definitely something that I need to practice more in my own life. So I'm very excited to learn your wisdom today. Uh, well, that's such a nice way to start this. Can you give us just a sort of, I mean, I gave you sort of top level bio, but a bit of your story. How did you get here? Start from the beginning. Reader's Digest version. You know, to get ready for today's podcast, I actually listened to your first podcast with your wife and kind of your history of getting to where you are. As your wife was talking about how you always try to do too much. And if someone challenges you, you want to do more. I really resonated with that because if you look at my career path in history, I'm kind of that type of person that always, if you challenge me, I think, oh, I can do it. Or I'm always kind of doing a little bit more than I should. So my history is when I was in college, I went to Boston College. I, um, I actually interned for the New England Patriots. Really? Yeah, which was a very fun job. I was doing finance and marketing, minored in faith, peace and justice. And I had this opportunity to intern with the Patriots. So I took that job. That left me after college actually working for the Rangers and Knicks in New York City. So that was really fun. I thought I wanted to do sports marketing or something along those lines. And while I was in the city, a couple of my friends had taken financial jobs and 
they were making lots more money. So although I had a passion for sports at the time, I decided to switch. And that's how I got into the hedge fund space. And while I was working, I went to law school at night. My mom was a lawyer. And I know you actually went to law school as well, correct? I didn't manage to make one year before I quit to pursue <laughs> teaching and writing. But but there is there is a portion of my story that involves law, yes. A little portion, right? Well, <laughs> maybe for the same reasons as you, I don't know. But I didn't want to be a career lawyer, but I thought it was going to help me from seeing how my mom is a attorney, kind of think of the world differently. And I wanted to just learn more, which I think kind of explains me always wanting to do one thing more than I'm doing. But so I went to law school, graduated and decided that I liked what I was doing more in finance. So I stayed there. The firm started doing real estate. So I got my real estate license just as a fun side on and Then I got married, started having my children, and my husband and I started doing a few real estate investments where we will go for the summer in Watch Hill. That's how I started my store, Coco and Lala, because we found a great real estate opportunity. As I was interviewing stores, thought, hey, maybe I could have my own store. So we started Coco and Lala, which is a children and women's brand. During the pandemic, we ran a really great video campaign around spread love, not germs, which for my children were really missing their grandparents. So I did a t-shirt, spread love, not germs. And for every shirt we sold, we donated a portion to No Kid Hungry. And it really helped our community stay connected. And at that point, I realized video content was really beneficial. And I jumped on the whole TikTok trend and I started bringing people into our everyday lives and letting them get a glimpse of what it was like to be a mom and really giving that connection during a pandemic when people were missing it the most. And what I found people really were resonating with most was things that made their life easier, which is, I know the whole point of essentialism, but the whole mom hacks and life hacks and just little tricks that would make life so much easier. So here I am. Well, it's particularly the subject of my new book, Effortless, right. which is literally all about trying to make today and tomorrow a little easier so we can have great results, but without burning out. So I'm going to give you a challenge here. Oh, no. Top five hacks for making life a little easier. Making life a little easier. Yeah. Just think about the things that people have most responded to. So I would say in general, there's kind of this overarching theme of there's two different types of hacks I do, life hacks and mom hacks. And when it comes to mom hacks, I think the overarching theme of hacks that resonate the best are things that help your children gain a little bit more independence so that you as a parent can cut that time down of tasks that you're doing and makes life more efficient. So there was a self-serve fridge I did where you know, yes, in the mornings, moms spend a little bit more time cutting the vegetables and carrots and cheese and putting them in the side container of the fridge. But then when your children need snacks all day, rather than asking mom to get them, they can open them and independently make the decision on their own to eat healthy snacks. So that was probably one of my top most viral. I had, there was a little hack I did using a strainer where Every, I said, everyone's been doing this wrong their whole life when normally you would pour your boiling water right into your strainer. 
it's hard to imagine if you don't see the picture, but instead you put the strainer in your pot and then pour them simultaneously. It's a little quick step, but it makes it so much easier. So that was another life hack that did really well. I did a shopping cart hack where you have kids, so you might understand this, but if you're going grocery shopping as a mom, carrying your kids into the cart is, is, you know, sometimes my kids are super heavy and it's a lot to get them over and into that basket of the cart. So I did this hack where you just swipe up the front of the cart kind of swings open and the kids climb in themselves. And everyone went crazy about that because no one, it was so basic, but no one had ever thought of it. And you see it and you're just like, this is so smart and so easy. So that was another Mm -hmm. very viral hack. I did, if your kids don't want to eat vegetables, instead put stickers on them of their favorite characters. So if your kids like Paw Patrol or Disney channels, put the sticker on your peppers or bananas or whatever they don't want to eat and instantly they'll think they're cool. That one did very well (laughs) as well. Oh, there was a fun life hack I did about cutting when you're cutting cheese open. This one was really viral too. And when you go to close it, like normally you would take all the packaging off the cheese, but instead, if you keep the top part when you slice it open and just slice it back on, it's hard to, again, conceptualize. But once again, the idea was just a little switch in your everyday life that you probably never thought of that's so easy, but makes that point in time so much more effortless. What all of those have in common is is if you can just remove one tiny step within something that you're doing and doing often, then then it does make life yep. better. It doesn't have to be grandiose to be relevant and useful. Okay, Shannon, next challenge isn't mom hacks, it's life hacks. This is for anybody. What are five things <laughs> that anyone can do to make their lives a little easier right now? So my life hacks tend to be based on like very... They're not as bigger concepts as far as little things that I find. So little tricks like pitting a cherry, right? When you're serving cherries, they could be a little messy to eat because there's pits in the middle. So you just use a straw and a glass and push the pit through. So when you serve them, they're already pitted. So my life hacks tend to be a little bit like that or packing a cooler. Right now we're in a summer mode, right? So my life hacks have been... Freeze your water bottles prior to putting them in the cooler, like the night before. So when you go to pack the cooler, rather than filling it with ice to the beach, you just grab your frozen water bottles out, put them in your cooler, and life is easier for the beach. Yeah, I like all of them. The one about the water, I heard a great hack about this, which is if you're going to freeze water in a bottle, you put in half, like you fill up the water bottle to halfway, and then you lay the bottle on its side, it freezes, half of the bottle is now full of frozen water and the other half is empty, but there's enough room the next morning that you can just fill the water up for the rest of the bottle and then it doesn't blow up the bottle and it doesn't just have ice, you have to wait until it all melts, you just fill up the other side. That's a good life hack, isn't it? Oh, I love that. I think I may be doing that on TikTok. Yes, yes. (laughs) You and I need to do a TikTok though on the water ice McEwen solution. Yes, I love it. We branded it now. I'll give you a shout out on this. <laughs> Do you have a TikTok account? Uh, I don't have a TikTok account, but 
I think I ought to. I also think a lot of your advice and things even would, well, now we know you're a life hacker, but also your advice and things, people love that and the motivation. How long have you been on TikTok? One year. How many followers do you have now? I think I have like a million fifty thousand as of now. So you have got to be surprised by that yourself. We really, it really is such a shock. It, when we hit that million mark, it was a goal I had had for myself. And when we hit it, it kind of, it took me a little bit to even like conceptualize what it meant, but it's amazing. It's really, it's been an amazing experience. Tell us what was the first thing you did? You got an account and the first thing you put on that account was? My children and I in the kitchen it was a quarantine trend going on and it was a funny song and it was my children and I in matching pajamas in the kitchen, banging pots and pans like on our heads, crazy, get us out of this quarantine situation. So that was my first piece of TikTok content. And it went viral with a lot of moms that were in that same space with me at the time and children. And aesthetically, it was pretty on the page and we went from there. (laughs) My page evolved for sure over time. In the beginning, I didn't really know what to do with the app. I thought it was a lot of for younger generations. I'm a big Gary Vee fan also. So I was listening to his page and he was talking about TikTok and I jumped on it. And I didn't didn't even know if anyone would like what I was putting out there. You, one something you already said that I think is curious is really just I just brought people into the life that I was living. You didn't create some new life or new persona. You just brought them into the world you already live in. Is that true? It's true. You know, I people ask me all the time, how do you create three or four videos a day and produce this content all like this, right? Because it's a lot. And I think why I'm able to do it, and if you really study my content. A lot of the stuff I produce is just, it's happening. And I say to my kids, hold on, let me quickly edit that or film it. Or I'll be living my everyday life and read something or read something. And then I try it and I actually want to do it a little differently. And so I just do it. I mean, it's almost to a downfall because I'm not great at content planning as much as other people knowing what you're going to produce or batch create content. But mine is so in the moment in my life that I tend to kind of cram it into that day, which there's pros and cons. Yeah, there's an upside and downside. The upside is that you're getting it done and it's authentic and it's happening. The downside is that you're feeling a little crazy. Right, exactly. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system. Whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic, which is your AI powered all-star. In my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. What was the, the next thing you did in the process? You had the first video go viral, which means what? How many people watched that first video? That video, I want to say that video had about... I want to say about 400,000 views over time, which is a lot of views on TikTok. That's crazy. You know, and then I, I started doing some trends with my kids, just voiceovers or funny trends going on. It was a lot of quarantine content at the mm -hmm. time. Playing on the memes that were already going on. Exactly. Yep. And I really started to fill my page at that time. And then, you know, I looked at it also as a business and where we wanted to go with it and what people were looking at. And started realizing that people really shareable content and content that they want to share with friends or they want to comment on was the key to success. And like we said, something that makes life a little bit more effortless <laughs> is positive and makes people happy when they watch it, which I think has been the secret to our success, like helping people, but also leaving them with a little sense of happiness. Mm -hmm. Something practical, a tiny, practical, doable but also with a spirit of fun uh, and an and uplift, and um, uplift in the same moment. Yep, I, exactly. And give me an example of something that you thought was going to work that didn't work. When you thought, hey, people are going to like this, they're going to resonate with this, but actually they didn't, they didn't respond. I've had some. I would say I'm trying to think of a most recent one that did not do well. I posted, you know, it wasn't a major flop, but I posted about some 4th of July hacks and one was making outdoor s'mores for my kids. I thought it was going to go totally viral and it didn't. I don't know why, but it didn't do that well. So I try again. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing when even if videos flop, I just keep trying. It never ceases to amaze me what actually interests and grabs humans' attention. Right. And even after spending a lot of time trying to understand what people want and what they're interested in, how small things can suddenly take off, how other things you think will take off don't. It's a very curious and sort of ongoing mystery. I almost think that that is what my job has turned into to a point. I mean, I think that I constantly am thinking about that and it really does amaze me. Overall, I've learned this now because I post on different platforms as well. I really think it's human behavior because a video that goes viral on TikTok, like the shopping cart I told you about, 
also goes viral when I post it on Instagram or YouTube or Snapchat, whereas a video that flops on TikTok most likely will flop on the other channels as well. So you always hear creators talking about algorithms when I think in reality, it's just better understanding human behavior and what they like and don't like. How do you better understand human behavior? That's a good question. You know, I've been trying to better understand my own behavior and what I like and dislike. And then from there, try to create my content around it and just kind of studying how people react to my videos and what triggers them to share it or comment. The first place is better understanding my own likes and dislikes and what I like in content. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there is something significant about that. Um, whether it's TikTok videos or, or any attempt to influence others, uh, is you know self understanding is the first step of, of understanding. Uh, you know, knowing yourself, being able to stand apart from yourself and look at yourself. Uh, so I think that self awareness does seem to be sort of step one in understanding greater human influence. Step two in the process seems to be what you just described. Uh, is now you launch it, you try it, you put it out there. Uh, you see what somebody else's reaction is. You have to have, let's say, the courage to be rubbish. If you don't put it out, you can't learn about it. Am I understanding that step two right? You know, I think the biggest thing I've learned is not to let failures or negativity bring you down and not to be scared of other people's opinions and just to continue producing and doing what you like to do. And just keep moving forward. I think it's really easy when you're in a type of field that you're putting yourself out there on a daily basis to be graded on likes or dislikes or comments or how people respond to you. It's really easy to give up in a scenario like that. Probably, I think it's harder than any other job that I've been in because normally you don't have the daily, you know, in your face immediate yes or no we like it so you're getting graded on the daily right so and people are candid so I think that just staying positive and continue to create and not letting I guess failures even though I hate to use that word stop you from progressing and keeping going I think that's like a really important part of the process I remember Seinfeld talking about this about one of the things about comedy is that you get instant feedback uh, you know, you you are either funny or you're not funny, and they <laughs> tell you through their laughter. So it's not like you know, wait for performance evaluation six months down the line or whatever. It's like instant, right here, right now, and that's yep. what makes it potentially brutal. Uh, is is well, if you say something that's not funny, okay, now you know. Uh, but the advantage is, if you are, you are, and you and you know, it's proven right there too. But it seems right. to me that the work of being an influencer is actually similar to that because the feedback is so instant. It's so true. I, I think it's exactly spot on. And I think having that overall confidence in yourself and ability to keep moving forward is key in the whole process. I guess that's in life, but. Mm-hmm. What's your goal with all of this? I mean, you will have a business down the road, but. But you find yourself at an interesting inflection point as you hit past a million followers on uh, on TikTok alone. Have you reaching that sort of point in your journey changed what you want to achieve next? I think so. 
I feel like my journey is always constantly changing. When I initially started the app, uh, you know, it was really just a way for me to connect with other moms and my children and I were having fun doing it together. I liked helping people. I've always liked helping people. So getting, it was an easy way to do it and involve my children in my work, which I really value spending time with them. So having that togetherness was really important to me. And then as we started to gain more of a following, I was, you know, like you say in your books, figure out what's making me happy and what we're doing. And it really is continuing to help other people and build this community. And so as we grow our brand, it's just making sure we stay true to our values and continue inspiring people and helping moms and do better and teach my children, you know, how they can influence the world and inspire others and just do greater good for people. I mean, that's definitely been the shift. We, when we reached a million, we really understood our impact more and that we could do things to make the world a better place. And that's kind of where our shift and focus is going now. Uh, T.S. Eliot wrote, what do we live for if not to make life uh, less difficult for each other? I love that. I, I think that's the spirit of what you're saying. What's a question you hoped I wouldn't ask? You know, I was listening to many of your podcasts before I got on and there was, it's just funny because it was more just based on questions I've heard you ask people before. And so I thought maybe he's going to ask me those. I hope he doesn't. And there was one when you were interviewing, <laughs> you were interviewing Maria Shriver and you, I, I don't remember exactly how you phrased the question, but it was, what's something that she. I remember the question. You remember it. Okay. Well, I wish you wouldn't yeah. ask me it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, 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 your uh, nightmare just about to come true. The question I asked her, and now I'm asking you, is what's something essential, very important for you that you're underinvesting in? First answer, first thought. Ugh, and I had time to reflect, and I still didn't have a very good answer. That's what I thought. I thought it was- but give me the first one. Just the, it doesn't have to be good. There's no good or not. There's no judgment. It's just what's the first, the first answer to that question. I know. You know, it was funny because. I do have an answer, but because I did things similar to her, you know, it was more time for things that I do for myself because I really don't have those. I don't really do anything for myself. If you know me, I'm working or I'm with my kids and my husband and spending time with my kids and my husband is obviously what fulfills me in my free time. But it's not like Shannon goes and plays tennis with her girlfriends or reads tons of books, but But then your next question to her was, what would that be? And I think that that was even more challenging to me because I I don't know what that would be, which is great. I don't know if those things that I do for myself fulfill me. So that's why it was an interesting question. Mm -hmm. Well, what I just heard you say is is that you're not actually sure if spending time with yourself on your own, away from other things is essential so that's that's the first that's really the first question is you go what i hear in you is like maybe i feel like i ought to say that exactly that's it i've been told that's what you're supposed to want but i'm not sure if i do want it right i guess i've never really questioned to myself until i was listening to that podcast like yeah i don't know i guess maybe that's not a bad thing but I've never really thought about it. 
I mean, one of the things you're saying, and I think this is inter- is interesting, is you're saying, but but I'm not unhappy. I'm not, or at least that's what I'm hearing no, 100%. from you. Yeah, that's my. That's why it was like I was trying to rationalize it in my head because I was like, I could say to you that I want more time to go for hikes or by myself, <laughs> but I'm not happy doing those things. So. I like being with my children. I like being with my husband. And I like doing this work. And and I'm not I'm not I don't feel like I'm missing something. And I don't feel like I'm missing out on something. And just because other people do or other people want that doesn't mean I need to want that. But then there's kind of a question mark at the end. Does it? Is that okay? That's what I hear from you. Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you hear all that coming back to you, what further thoughts do you have on it? It gives me a confidence in understanding that that's fine and being able to realize that continue to do what makes me happy. And it's spending time with my family and my husband and working and being able to balance those two things. That's what makes me happy. So I should continue to do it. Not try to force things that aren't going to fulfill me. Yeah. To not pick up other people's mantras, expectations, wants, and so on. Um, I had, I just interviewed somebody um, who, who's written a book called Wanting, and he, he introduced us to the idea of mimetic desire. It's a bit of a mouthful, but the idea of mimetic desire is that many of us want things because we believe that other people want that thing. Right. So it's not even based on whether other people do want something or not. It's just based on the idea that we believe other people want something. Right. And so it's quite a, it's quite a, um, a burden to live with mimetic desire because you can just keep adding and adding and adding. And in fact, you could pursue, be pursuing things that you don't want. And in fact, other people don't even want. And so it's a real oddity if you don't pay attention to, look, do I actually want this? Is this the right thing? Is this what's making me and the people around me happy? Uh, you know, these to me seem like better questions than you know. Uh, do I? Do I? Do other people seem to want this thing? I love that. It's a and honestly, as you're saying that too, it made me think of even when we were talking about the process of content creating and me like figuring out first what I like rather than just producing content that I think other people will like understanding more what I actually like, and then people will like it. I think it kind of all ties in. I think it has something to do with this. I think it has to do with first genuinely being in service of others, right? That you really are saying, this is not about me. I really want to be useful to you. So that's like, that's like step one. Number one. And then I think step two is to recognize that that which is most personal is most universal. 
So right. that if yes. you if you want to be in service to other people, one of the ways to learn is to be vulnerable and open and honest about well what what am I genuinely drawn to and be honest about that and say, okay, well then I'm going to create content that I think, you know, because I like it, other people will like it. Uh, And and so somehow that is different. It reminds me of the, the, the idea that simplicity on this side of complexity is worth nothing, but simplicity on that side, the far side of complexity is worth everything. What I want on this side of service is not worth anything. But what I would want on the other side of service is worth a great deal. Yeah, I love that. It's hard to get there, but it makes total sense once you're there. Give us your final thoughts. What haven't we covered that you would love to put out there? I love speaking with you. I feel like it's very therapeutic. I need weekly calls with you to motivate <laughs> <laughs> Keep me in check. That will be what I do in my free time. I have weekly, weekly motivational calls with Greg. Weekly essentialist check-ins. Weekly essentialist check-ins. That's that's the new Shannon free time. No, I, I really, I love chatting with you and I love everything that you speak about and really the philosophies. I think, you know, creative people and entrepreneurs in general can tend to get in their own head a lot and spin their wheels. So the daily check and reminder of things that are essential or that make your life a little bit easier is just really important. And it's great to kind of really get your thought process out about it. I love what you're doing. The combination of the two things you just said is, is, is exactly what, what, um, what I hope for for people uh, is to be able to focus on what's essential uh, to keep coming back to that every day, every week, but also but how can I make the essential things a little easier uh, so that they become uh, the default path of our lives. Uh, if we can create systems that make it easier to do what uh, what's essential, then we do them consistently uh, and gain all the cumulative advantage of being able to do them over time. Shannon, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the What's Essential podcast. Uh, Thank you for being here and sharing uh, your unique service to us and and to now to a million strong. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, essentialists, one and all, we've come to that moment again, the end of the show. Thank you really sincerely for listening. It's been amazing to see what's happened already with this show. The show has become, in fact, the top 3% of podcast globally within just the first five months of its launch. And that's because of you. You have made this special. And I want to end, as I always do, reminding you that if you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, 
Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.